Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our 15-minute devotional. This is an online video and podcast series for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church and for our viewers on Facebook and our YouTube channel and also for our podcast uh, on Melvin Gaines's Faith Channel. My name is Melvin Gaines. I appreciate you being here today. Uh, this program will continue to encourage viewers to get into God's Word and stay in His Word with consistency as you learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this particular program, we're going to be covering the daily reading, as if we were following the two-year Bible plan, for Wednesday, August the 2nd, 2023. That's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. Our church encourages the use of the two-year Bible reading plan, allowing for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. Now, in our devotional here, which is a broadcast that we do every week uh, on Wednesdays, our program presents the passages for today, and then we make some verbal notes as to what we've just read uh, as far as the content. Now, when you do the two-year Bible reading plan, you're going to cover the Bible reading for that day, which normally involves about a seven to ten minute uh, amount of time, uh, commitment for reading the scripture, and that would be followed by about a five to eight minute period of time for you to meditate on what you've read and pray. Uh, to God about for greater understanding for that. And that time frame covers about a 15-minute period uh, per day for reading. And that's why we call this the 15-minute devotional. Our program lasts usually longer than 15 minutes, so it's just the name that we use uh, to describe exactly what you'd be doing if you were following this routine on a daily basis. It takes about 15 minutes a day, and that's why we call it the 15-minute devotional, but we encourage all participants to follow this pattern of reading and studying, especially if you're just getting into the Word, getting into reading and learning about what God's Word is all about. You only can do that with a regular, consistent daily reading of Scripture. The 15-minute devotional is a way for you to go about it and do it in an effective way as far as establishing good habits. The greatest concern should be for a number of individuals when they're reading that they just stop reading and then just goes into a period of days, weeks, and months where you're just not in the Bible. That's not going to work if you truly want to follow and be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you very much for being here today. And let's uh, also talk about what verses we're going to be reading today. We're going to be reading in the book of Joshua, chapter 15, verses 13 through 63. That sounds like a lot, but it's not. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. Psalm 86, verses 8 through 17. And Proverbs 20, verses 16 through 18. So we'll be covering those passages, and we appreciate you being here today. And what we'll be doing now is let's go ahead and do what really is necessary to make sure that we're allowing the Spirit to speak to us as we go. Let's get into the Word uh, the, with the Lord, uh, with the Lord, with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you have established for us. Bless us now, Lord, as we go into your word, and uh, we ask for greater understanding as we go. And we give you praise and thanks for all that you do for us and all that you continue to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's just do as we would normally do. We're going to go into the Word. Uh, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Joshua chapter 15, and let's take a look at Joshua. 15 
uh, and that's uh, going to cover verses 13 through 63. Joshua 15, verses 13 through 63. And what you're going to see here in this particular passage, just to uh, establish what we are reading, uh, this is essentially the boundaries of uh, the area of Judah uh, that's west of the river uh, in Israel. And I want to make sure that uh, to point out here, too, that um, these boundaries are being established and it has to do with giving the Lord the establishment uh, of the territory that was promised uh, to Moses and the people. And now we've gone further along here after the amount of time where Joshua is in charge and and now he, we are allocating these uh, spaces and making sure that they're being occupied and all the things that go with that. Amen. So let's go ahead and start Joshua 15, starting at verse 13. The Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. So Caleb was given the town of Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, which had been named after Anak's ancestor. Caleb drove out the three groups of Anakites, the descendants of Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. Uh, verse 15, from there he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, the son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz, was the one who conquered it, so Aksa became Othniel's wife. When Aksa married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What's the matter? She said, Give me another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. This was the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Judah. The towns of Judah situated along the borders of Edom in the extreme south were Kabziel, Eder, Jagger, Kena, Demona, Adada, Kedish, Hazor, Ithnan, Ziph, Telem, Bealoth, Hazor Hadada, Kiriath Hezron, that is Hazor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazer Gada, Heshman, Beth Pellet, Hazer Shul, Beersheba, Biziothiah, Balal, Lim, Kesem, Ezem, excuse me, El Tolad, Kessel, Horma, Ziklag, Madmana, Sansana, Leboeth, Shilhim, Ain, and Rimen, 29 towns with their surrounding villages. Verse 33, the following towns situated in the western foothills were also given to Judah. Eshtel, Zorah, Ashna, Zanoah, Enganim, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adullam, Soko, Azekah, Sharim, Adathame, Gedera, and Gedarothim, 14 towns with their surrounding villages. Also included were Zenon, Hadasha, Migdalgad, 
Dillian, Mizpa, Jockthiel, Lachis, Bozkath, Eglin, Cabin, Laman, Lamam, excuse me, Kitlish, Gedaroth, Beth Dagon, Nama, and Makeda, sixteen towns with their surrounding villages. Verse forty two. Besides these were Libna, Ether, Ashen, Ipta, Ashna, Nezib, Kala, Akzib, and Marasha, nine towns with their surrounding villages. Verse 45, the territory of the tribe of Judah also included Ekron and its surrounding settlements and villages. From the Ekron boundary extended, the boundary extended west and included towns, the towns near Ashdod with their surrounding villages. It also included Ashdod with its surrounding settlements and villages and Gaza with its settlements and villages as far as the brook of Egypt along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 48, Judah also received the following towns in the hill country, Shamer, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiriath-Sana, that is Debir, Anab, Eshtema, Anim, Goshen, Halon, and Gilo, 11 towns with their surrounding villages. Also included were the towns of Arab, Duma, Eshen, Janim, Beth Tapua, Afika, Humta, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, Hebron, excuse me, and Zire, nine towns with their surrounding villages. Besides these, there were Maon, Carmel, Ziph, Judah, Jezreel, Jokdim, Zanoa, Cain, Gebeah, and Timnah, ten towns with their surrounding villages. In addition, there were Halhul, Bethzur, Gedor, Merith, Beth Anoth, and Elkticon, excuse me, six towns with their surrounding villages. There were also Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerim, and Rabbah, two towns with their surrounding villages. In the wilderness, there were the towns of Beth Araba, Midden, Sakaka, Nibshan, the city of Salt, and Engedi, six towns with their surrounding villages. But the tribe of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites, who lived in the city of Jerusalem, so the Jebusites lived there among the people of Judah to this day. Okay, that was a bit of a mouthful, but that was Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 through 63. Now, at the risk of sounding, um, well, first of all, uh, I had to go through this reading just to make sure that I was doing a halfway decent job of trying to pronounce all of these different locations. These are real places and real cities and towns that were being established by the Lord for the people of Israel to occupy. The only sticking point was the last verse that we read in verse 63. Uh, Judah could not drive out the Jebusites living in Jerusalem. They were in the southern portion of Jerusalem uh, by all accounts that we have, and that's why they lived there. But they would, they would eventually be dealt with uh, when we get to a period of time when David comes into play, so uh, in, in further readings. But uh, just so that we don't lose track of what's going on here, this is really uh, not so much as important for those of us who are living under the New Covenant. This was, of course, very significant for the people of Israel at the time, establishing 
where people were living and what they were doing and how they went about it. And the thing that we have to recognize here is that um, this is what uh, God had allocated, and Caleb was the one who is the main character in this section here, uh, where uh, Joshua appointed Caleb to take over that area and be involved there. And God gave uh, in the tribe of Judah uh, for Caleb, and God gave him the city of Hebron. And so we learn more about who Caleb is and how Caleb essentially... Under the power of God and, and his authority and moving about, he was the one that overpowered uh, the children of Anak. These are all the giants that occupied that time there. So he had no fear. He moved in the power of God to do what he was doing. We learn about that back in verses 13 and 14. And he had always apparently had the desire to take that. Based upon how he was raised, that was something that he was felt that it was important for him to do. And, of course... These are the things that are, are recognized here. And, of course, um, further back in the passage, of course, we also have a mention about Othniel. Othniel is the one um, who is mentioned here about he's the son of Caleb's brother, Kenaz, in verse 17. And he was the one that went out and uh, attacked and captured Kiri the Sephir. Uh, Caleb said, "You can." Caleb said, "I'm going to give my daughter Oxnard in marriage to whoever does that." And so Othniel is significant, though, because he is actually going to be carrying on the lineage of uh, the people of uh, Israel. Uh, you'll find him in the book of the Judges. He's one of the first judges that's mentioned. So it's important for us to see that how it, God was giving uh, Israel this land, this territory. It was promised to them all the way back, going to the time of Moses, and they ex- executed on it. And they remained obedient, and they just kept on acting on that. And these these cities, all these cities that I've mentioned here, they were all established for the purposes of uh, putting forth, this is the homeland, the land that uh, we refer to in Israel. And it's like occupying the western part, the western part of the Jordan River. Uh, that's where most of this activity is taking place here, okay? So... Um, if you were to go and do your own research and look at the map of the 12 tribes of, of Judah and where they occupied, you would see uh, that Judah is in the southwestern portion of that territory, just above the land allotted to the tribe of Simeon. Uh, so, but that's um, it's important just to go through this, not just blow through it, because we see that uh, the people who are being mentioned here, and they're being mentioned for a reason in Scripture, that leads us to even further readings in the Old Testament about how the nation of Israel would uh, eventually they would be under judges because there was always a question of their being obedient to God and following through and uh, as far as uh, you know dealing with appointed leadership so we have to recognize that this is what is taking place here more of a narrative of how these land how this land was allocated and how it was occupied okay Let's go over to Luke chapter 18. And thank you again for... Uh, I, it's really, really difficult sometimes to go through the process of reading uh, and looking at the pronunciation of the different cities involved to, here because I'm pretty sure I've messed up a few of those and that's just going to be part of it. But uh, recognizing if you have the time to do that and go and look at those and determine what the exact pronunciation is, it's really up to you to do that. Um, I think at at the end of the day, we get the idea uh, that God is the one who is in control and he was the one involved with the establishment of these territories. 
Okay, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. Interestingly enough, we just did this reading um, in our Zoom Bible study that we do uh, once a month uh, on the fourth Sundays. We have a Zoom Bible study. We just covered Luke chapter 18 and one of this in this passage as well, too. Starting at verse 18, Luke 18, 18, and we're going to go down to verse 30. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life, excuse me. Verse 19, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you must, you must, you know, pardon me, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give to the money, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When he saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Who in the world can be saved? He replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, We've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. All right, that's Luke 18, verses 18, Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. And this account is also given in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, and also in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. It is a one-on-one encounter between this rich young ruler and Jesus and the question and answers that are taking place within this dialogue. The one thing that we want to recognize here, first of all, and it's something that I learned, even when you read something over and over again, you want to look at it and, and see what's truly being said here, right? And in this particular situation, Let's go back to the top real quick. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, why should, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And verse 19, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. Now, this is something that got past me before and I didn't pick up on it, but one thing we have to remember when Jesus is speaking to an individual, he is speaking to that individual for a reason and it has to do with heart matters, matters of the heart. He knows exactly who he's speaking to, and he, and he, of course, knows there's an audience around him. But he's making a very direct communication with this rich young ruler because of matters of the heart. He is making the point of saying, why do you call me good? Because he's re- referring to him as a good teacher. But Jesus told him, only God is truly good. What Jesus is trying to do with this young, rich young ruler is to now recognize that goodness comes from God and he wants the rich young ruler to acknowledge God as being good and that's what's important here 
And now understand that he knows exactly what this young ruler's heart is. So he's going to point out some flaws in the young ruler's thinking, even though he has knowledge of the commandments. He mentioned about five commandments here, right? But there's something else wrong with his heart. And he wants this young ruler to say, don't worry about calling the teacher good. Call God good. Recognize him as the one that you need to be following. Because you can follow commandments. You can do those very things where you're doing what you think is right and what you think is good. But if God is not in it, it really isn't any good. It really is meaningless. Because at the end of the day, when we get down to the end of the passage, that's why Jesus is mentioning Everyone who has given up his house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. And that's the end game. The end game is making sure that you will be blessed many times over if you follow the teachings of the Lord, be obedient to God and his will, listen to his word, study his word, follow him, trust in him. It's going to matter when it comes to what happens in this life and in the life to come. Eternal life with Jesus. So, not trying to jump ahead, but that's exactly what is being taught here for not just the young ruler, but for everybody, the rich ruler. Let's get back to verse... Let's skip down to verse 21. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And then verse 22, when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad because he was rich, for he was very rich. One thing that really puzzled a lot of the uh, people, including the Pharisees and as well as the young rulers, riches were a stumbling block. A lot of people equated having richness, riches with being good. And this is mentioned, this is mentioned early on because God says, God says he'll bless his people because you're obedient. And so they felt perhaps the more that we're being blessed, the more we're being obedient. But that's not at all what that lesson is all about. Of course you can be blessed if you're obedient to God. But what if you're truly not following God? So where are we with that then? There's something missing, isn't there? It's about... Now, not being selfish with your life or living and just taking on these riches um, because he was selfish. He didn't want to really give his money to the poor. He didn't really want to do those things outside of what he was called to do. And that's the challenge that he has. And that's why Jesus said what he said. The man heard this. He became very sad for he was very rich. And not only was he very rich, he didn't really want to part with those riches. He, that was the stumbling block that he had dealt with. So when Jesus said in verse 24, when Jesus saw this, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God if you're not truly following Jesus or following God. If you're selfish, if you don't really care about other people, then how are you being obedient to the Lord? How are you being generous? How are you, being, how are you living your life? truly for Jesus or living for God in his situation because again they're trying to equate this these riches with being saved or having some sort of extra special blessing Jesus is teaching them a different teaching a radical teaching saying no that's not what's going to happen you're not going to 
have fellowship with the Lord. If you keep believing that way, you need to have fellowship with the Lord because you believe that I am the good God. I am God. I am the one that you need to look to. And we're reminded in verse 27, you know, how can individuals be saved? It's by the power of God. What with man, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. And that's the reminder we have in verse 27. Take these studies where you see these individuals who have riches. Let's use even the, the comparison of the rich man and Lazarus. What, why did the rich man go immediately to hell after death? He was selfish. He was not generous with his money. It wasn't because he had a lot of money. It was because he didn't, even though he may have been given this money and God gifted him with this money, he didn't do what he should have done with it. He was not generous with it. And we have to recognize that that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. And this is a reminder for all of us when it comes to those things that we have, recognizing that Jesus still loves that man, by the way, wants the best for him, desired for him to come to a, a knowledge of him being good, God being good, not just being a good teacher. Um, and so perhaps, perhaps, we don't know for sure, we don't really have any indication, maybe he followed the Lord later on. Uh, I don't know if he did or not. We don't have any indication of that. But I'm going to trust that you understand how important it is for you to make sure that you're always not just taking what God gives to you and saying, oh, great, I'm a great person now because uh, he must have blessed me because I must have done something right. That's not how it works. And that's not how it never has been how it works. Of course, God promises that he will do things for us. But we can't always be promised riches or wealth. But he can promise us eternal life. And that's the most important takeaway here. So God loves all of his people, uh, especially the people who love him and follow him. But he loves everyone. And it's really up to you as an individual to recognize God's love for you, but now reciprocate that by recognizing that the only way you can love him is by being obedient to his word and trusting in him. Let's move to Psalm 86. Psalm 86, verses 8 through 17. This is up, uh, the middle of the passage uh, in Psalm 86 is a prayer of David. And we're going to see that in this particular prayer, um, there's different names that have been given in different psalms for uh, the name of God. God has, of course, a number of names. Uh, we know about the name Elohim, which is God as the creator. We know about Jehovah, which speaks of God as a savior. And in this particular psalm, um, Adonai is the name that's used for the Lord, Lord translation. Um, and Adonai is, a, is still a common term that's being used, but this is what's being spoken of here in this particular psalm. Let's read the passage, Psalm 86, verses 8 through 17. No pagan God is like you, O Lord. No, none can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow before you. Before you, Lord, they will praise your holy name. For you are great and perform wonderful, wonderful deeds. You alone are God. Verse 11, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever. For your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. 
Oh God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Look down and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant. Save me, the son of your servant. Send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O Lord, help and comfort me. Amen. That is the reading of Psalm 86, verses 8 through 17. And again, this is uh, um, David praying to God for protection, recognizing that he is a fine, he can find favor uh, through prayer by just believing and trusting in God. And God has indeed, did indeed spare David from the type of death that he was envisioning, where people were trying to come after him and trying to take him out. And recognize, though, that we have to make sure that we are still living in the right manner. Amen. When when we're David still had to come clean for those things that he was doing incorrectly. He still had to repent of any sin that he was involved in. And of course, this would you know this was pretty much a picture of him throughout his life. Uh, even though he was indeed um, the man after God's own heart, uh, he still sinned and still <laughs> didn't do what he was supposed to do. But at the end of the day, um, he, want, he still relied upon God to teach him, instruct him, and show him the way that he needed to go uh, to remember to, to continue to follow him. Um, and the God does remind us about how he guides our pathways for life, doesn't he? Psalm, chapter 30, Psalm 32, verse 8. No chapter, just Psalm 32, verse 8. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. That's what God does for us, and that's what he continues to do for us. May we live in such a manner where we honor God and allow him to speak to us and give us this guidance. And in doing so, may we also remember, though, too, that um, God doesn't want our sacrifices. He wants our obedience. That's what we have to always come back to. He wants an obedient heart. He wants an obedient mind. He wants those individuals looking to him to focus on his goodness but also also obedience to his very word. Last reading, uh, Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20, verses 16 through 18. Proverbs 20, verses 16 through 18. Verse 16. Okay. Get security from someone who guarantees a stranger's debt. Get a deposit if he does it for strangers. Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. Verse 18, plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Okay, so one of the things that is being emphasized here, too, is that, um, and, and of course, you know how the Proverbs go, right? It switches uh, terms within uh, midstream, but... The truths are all applicable to our lives, amen? A lot of things that are said in Proverbs are very applicable to life itself. Proverbs 16, verse 16, talks about get security from someone who guarantees a stranger's debt. Get a deposit if he does it for strangers. And you want to kind of just look at this passage and say, like, when you're dealing with someone from a business transactional standpoint or if there's a loan involved here, too, 
might be wise if you're dealing with some people to get some collateral. <laughs> I mean, that's typically what uh, this is referring to. This is what this is about because if you don't do that, you might be taken in. You might be deceived into uh, uh, a situation where you lose out on what you're doing as far as the loan is concerned. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. You're, you should be doing something to, for the, on the basic premise of protecting yourself. But at the end of the day, we are called to be generous. And, and frankly, if someone takes from us and, and, and gets something from us that we're, you know, you've loaned somebody some money and they haven't paid it back. Well, you know, at some point you have to say, you know what, um, thank you, Lord, for giving me the provision to give to that person. Um, but but as, at the end of the day, uh, you leave that where it is, and you just uh, pray for that individual and, and go from there, and that's the end of it. No grudges, no hard feelings. That's the attitude that you have to have as a believer in Jesus. Now, stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. And that applies now to a person who thinks that they might be getting away with something uh, because there are people out there like that. There are people who live their lives to try to get over on somebody else or get away with something. But God's going to see to it that what they receive, um, there's going to be a reckoning for that, for anybody who has that type of attitude. So don't you ever have the attitude uh, where you're going to take advantage of someone and think you're going to get away with it. You absolutely will not get away with it. And I don't need to tell you why. You already know why. Because God's involved. He knows everything that we do. He knows the hearts of every person. You can't hide in a closet from God and do something and think it's going to be unseen. It's, it's absurd to do that. And finally, verse 18. Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. And at the end of the day... We always want to trust in good counsel. We always want to get good advice when it comes to things that we're doing, whether they're small or whether they're great. Having someone else on your side, in addition to the Lord, to provide good advice, God puts those people in your life for that purpose. Are you listening? Are you willing to take good advice when it comes about? And you don't ever want to go into any situation unprepared because you fail to talk to people or trust other individuals or trust the advice of those that are coming forth to give it to you and that happens a lot more than some of us want to acknowledge but god puts people in our lives sometimes to provide wisdom the wisdom that he shares with us through prayer but there's also others that can come and affirm that wisdom as well too may you be prepared to always hear and listen to that advice let's pray father thank you again for this time to go over your word lord your word is precious to us and we love the word that you give to us Help us along day by day, Lord, as we read your word and study and obtain wisdom and knowledge. Your passages are rich. They give us much to go over, to seek you out in prayer for. And we thank you, though, Lord, that that wisdom is available to us whenever we go to you and seek you out in your word and in prayer. Bless us and keep us, Lord, and we give you thanks and give you all the praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for joining me again for this 15-minute devotional segment. We appreciate you being here. Uh, always keep us and look out for us on Wednesdays. First, third, and fourth Wednesday of the month, we do the 15-minute devotional. We also do the Bible study as part of Wednesdays in the Word. And so we appreciate, again, your patronage. Join us again next week for another edition of 15-minute devotional. Um, well, no, next week will be the Bible study. Excuse me. And then we'll just keep on going and... 
keep putting the word out there to encourage you to stay in the word. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. For more information about our church, visit akronalliance.org and look us up on YouTube. Take care of yourselves. God bless you. We will see you next time.